ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂ ಕರ್ವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ರೈಟ್ ಇನ್ ಟರ್ಮ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ರೀಕ್ಯಾಪಿಂಗ್ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ವೀಕ್ಸ್ ಕಾನ್ವರ್ಸೇಷನ್ ಐ ಥಿಂಕ್ ವಿ ಟಚ್ಡ್ ಅಪಾನ್ ಫ್ಯೂ ಫ್ಯೂ ಕ್ವೆಶನ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಇಂಟ್ರೆಸ್ಟಿಂಗ್ಲಿ the questions may appear to be very you know sansaric but we managed to um talk about a lot of uh, you know geeta principles um related to that mm, i think we started with the with the first one was uh, um i think satya you had mentioned about jay vijay how are they physical and then we we went into the discussion how you know it's more of the physical outcome and then the others are more at a mental and intellectual level and um that is when uh, actually uh, krishna introduced uh, a book and what i liked actually really like had never thought of it that way was happiness and grief that we experience moment to moment it is because of the relative change from the earlier moment in our circumstances so that's a very nice way of capturing what happiness and grief means <laughs> you know what he mentioned about jack and jill <laughs> um so then uh, then uh, rajesh started with the question does living equanimously take fun out of our living so i think we had a good discussion on that and i think uh, we mostly discussed that it's about uh, getting the right balance it's not and also um definition of fun differs from person to person so um i think uh, what we do on spiritual life is instead of relying on external stimuli and events and circumstances i think it's more of having fun while diving within and within within ourselves and then we touched upon the question about uh, related to watching tv and we discussed how um you know either we distance ourselves from the tv if it's impacting us too much or if we can watch it without attachment uh, from a distance so again yeah being in equilibrium was uh, one of the major point and uh, that's where uh, shamla added that you know being in equilibrium help open up uh, more opportunities uh, and what we said was uh, what i think vp mentioned was that um in spiritual journey is about giving up something and realizing that we can live without it so i think those were the few points that we discussed and then we moved on to a to an interesting question of uh, you know on law of destiny should we buy lottery ticket or not <laughs> interestingly we had a half an hour discussion on it i looked at the time <laughs> and uh, it was again yeah like if uh, you know if we are not too anxious about the result if we can you can we can think of if we earn all the money we'll use it for good purpose and all i think then it is very much in line with our spiritual practices so um so so that's where we we ended the the last session anyone wants to add anything this is what uh, 
you know, I remembered from the last discussion. Well summarized. All right. So, um, so yes, like our usual format, anyone can start with either the aha moments or any anything from the shloka 41 to 44. But we also said that we'll discuss, we'll touch upon uh, shloka 40 and especially the word pratyavaya, pratyavaya. Pratyavaya, yes. Um, so I thought yeah, it, it's worth discussing that one, uh, you know, in that particular shloka. So yeah, either on that or anything, yeah. Feel free to, to start. Anyone? I thought, you know, um, okay, I have a question. I have a statement uh, for us to see uh, if I'm understanding it correctly. Shloka number 39. It says, um, weeping, in fact, is not ordered by the circumstances, but by the papa tendencies in the mind of the miserable. I think, obviously, the weeping here is being referred to in the context of the, the um, you know, the grief when somebody dies and all that. But is this also indicative of the emotions expressed? You know, literally, when people cry, you know, whether you say they are sensitive, whether they say they are hurt or any other emotion, there is uh, a backdrop of internal conflict or internal so-called impurity. Is that how we can broaden this and understand? Or am I over-dissecting this? Um, and what I can say is, I think it goes to Satya's example of this. It's the second arrow. Mm. Primarily what's hitting. So it's, yes, there is an event and then it's more of the second arrow which hits us and, and different people, as you rightly said, react differently because of our tendencies and uh, it can come out in any of those ways. Um, I think that's how I would see. But sometimes uh, the reactions could be involuntary as well, you know, like crying. It can, even though you may want to not cry, but you'll just start crying. But that's that I think can also be related to, yes, you are feeling that grief, whatever you say or not. So it is the second arrow. <laughs> I can uh, start a bit on the uh, Pratyavaya one. So my, yeah. my reflection on that was, uh, I think Krishna was also kind of uh, catering to their uh, times. In all the other three yogas, at least there is the uh, Jnana Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, and um, Raja Yoga, other things, there is the, the fear that, oh, I'm not, I might not be doing it correctly. I'm not fully devotional. I didn't fully learn the scriptures. And there is probably something I'm doing wrong. And so maybe doing wrong is not giving me the full benefit. Or, or I'm stopping off. I can go to 98%, but if I don't do the full thing, I have not crossed over. And I'm still like, I don't know even that I'm at 98% and all those things. So uh, I thought this was like a very good uh, pitch here that that like a very convincing pitch for Karma Yoga, which is like also the main uh, path that Krishna is saying for Arjuna, that, that in this particular case, you don't have to worry about, worry about that. So the Pratyavaya from the book I'm uh, looking at the meaning is uh, production of contrary result. 
so so if you do karma yoga sincerely there is like no uh, no contrary result that you will get and you don't even have to worry about like uh, if you have, if you have done only so much that that it is going to go waste uh, whatever little you have done with a true karma yoga intent that is all additive it always keeps on adding up and i thought that was like a, a great point not not only for arjuna but also for us it seems like a very easy cool cool uh, way to bank on that right very well said yeah just, just yeah go ahead vidya i'll after you yeah i was going to just add to what krishna said um like in materialistic world we want to um you know start a project and complete the project then only we get satisfaction but i think in um, in uh, you know in in basically in, in our satvik world or uh, you know even if we do a little bit of that we get so much joy right i don't know if you have experience but it's not like completing a materialistic world type of a a finishing a project it's totally different so i just wanted to add that so even small yeah. minuscule uh, punya or however you can call if you do that it's it's just amazing sorry satya yeah it's uh, it's it's, no, no. it's uh, yes. sorry then go ahead please yeah what, what i was saying is that i think uh, you know i echo that i mean if you do something uh, with a intention or a expectation of an outcome then you've got to do it perfectly with all the sort of uh, you know rituals and you know all the bells and whistles around it uh, but if you do it on a nishkama basis then then you know anything you do will kind of you know only add to your uh, internal growth which is the ultimate goal in any case and uh, swami p kind of gives a very nice example of if you're digging a well for water uh, and the ultimate goal is to get water you will only get water once you've completed drilling the entire well you can't drill 4 feet and expect to get water which is at 8 feet for example um, and uh, but if you do if you do something without sort of any expectation nishkama then it's a completely different story Yep. Yeah, so I, I had something very similar to what uh, Jay was saying. So I think he has already summarized. So what I was trying to say was uh, that if you, if you are doing it for a loga shema, so then you know it doesn't matter even if you miss out, uh, you know, many steps and so on, because you are not uh, asking for anything for yourself. But whereas if you do for yourself, I mean, if you are expecting, uh, if you are praying for something and you are expecting something in return, then you know of course following uh, you know the steps uh, exactly as stated is very important is is what i is, is what is my understanding yeah yeah so i think it is all like uh, where krishna is uh, uh, doing a you know sales pitch that <laughs> you can do the uh, you can do the karma yoga and whatever actions you start uh, um so i think he uses two words one is kramnash and then the other one is the pratyavaya so kramnash is say he gives the example of sowing the seed you need to do it in a particular order you can't you know harvest it before the, before the seed has fully grown etc etc so there is a uh, in normal actions that we do there is a there is an order in which it needs to be done and then yes as uh, Uh, both ajay and satya were saying that you need to follow certain procedure and vidhi only and on the complete as everybody said that only when these are completed then you will see the result 
and uh, pratyavaya also means that you can get in opposite result so uh, so so that's the uh, that's another thing which i wanted to highlight that in karma yoga you will not get the opposite result uh, as well so um, so one is even if you are doing it in any order um, it will still so first of all what is karma yoga karma yoga itself it means uh, you can either say um, it's you know do any action as worship uh, of god but that's more of a bhakti definition or in normal terms it is do it selflessly for the benefit of others so so as it is you are not expecting any result for yourself so you know that that is why whether the result comes or not you will you will be fine with it and that's the basis from my side yeah yeah you're doing it in karma yoga either of these two they call it dosh are not applicable neither the kramna nor the pratyavaya so i thought that's why it was very important yeah and again even in the context of uh, of vedanta where you know as far as jnana yoga is concerned every to your sort of spiritual growth whereas in the in the ritualistic section which is the karma kanda you've got to do it in a certain procedure right you cannot sort of expect because it is meant for materialistic gains Uh, similarly in the example alpana that you mentioned about karma yoga the i mean swami p kind of distinguishes it, it with what he calls worldly karma the worldly karmas are uh, are materialistic whereas karma yoga is without any uh, you know it's around acceptance acceptance of whatever kind of results come and you do it in good faith almost yeah so yeah i mean it, to me you're absolutely right this is a really nice phrase which which resonates in 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 multiple ways Can I, can I add to? Yeah, no. Just to add to uh, uh, the discussion here, um, you know, to me, the loss of effort. If you think about it in today's uh, context, it would be that you know, if um, let's say we are working on something towards an end goal for a long period of time, right? And uh, with with strong desires of or with strong expectation of which is going to be there that you're, you're working towards a, a particular goal. Uh, and at the end of it it does not materialize right you, you worked on it for two years at the end of it you did not get into the iit as an example um it feels like oh i wasted two years of my life doing that right so there is this feeling of loss of effort because we worked with a strong expectation of or a desire of a result and that did not materialize and hence we look back at it and say it's a well uh, all that went into went to waste um however if we did this with this attitude of without having the desire and just doing it for work's sake then we don't look at it as loss of effort we just look at the work itself as the uh, as the uh, as what do you say the the benefit right the the work itself is the benefit not necessarily the result so that change of attitude very subtle but uh, uh, that change of attitude Uh, uh completely changes how we view it at the in the end right so um to me i was also reading at it from from that angle i just want to point that out yeah i have a question here you know uh, in karma yoga giving an example of gandhi ji 
Gandhiji, was he, I mean, a karma yogi, did he really wanted independence or he didn't want independence? Or he just fought for independence without expecting independence? What do you think Gandhiji could have done? I I thought he wanted, definitely wanted independence and his way of achieving that was Satyagraha, only, only by uh, truth and by non-violence. That means he wanted, he was not a karma yogi. But he I didn't want the way he wanted, yeah, he wanted I, it. <laughs> he wanted something that is one that is good and for the good for a billion people. So that like kind of uh, that takes the want to a very very high stratosphere level than than the want that I want or we want, right? Like slightly different take on that, Mahesh. Mahesh, uh, slightly different take on it. I mean. Yes, he. Uh, yes, he had an expectation. I, I. I don't think karma yoga means you don't expect anything. Uh, karma yoga is more around you. Accept, you accept the outcome uh, without sort of challenging it or uh, without sort of feeling feeling bad about it or whatever. Right? Expectation is not the the the, the key point here. The key point is uh, how do you react with the outcome, right? And so. In Gandhiji's example, I mean, he wanted independence, absolutely. He had his ways of doing it, which were, uh, which were what they were, non-violence and, uh, and all that good stuff. And he was patient. I mean, he did not get, get results immediately. But that didn't change him in terms of saying, okay, uh, you know, I'm not getting my expectations, so I'm going to change my ways or I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be upset about it. I mean, he just kept, kept at it. And so... The attitude of, uh, I think, what we what we studied in, in Swami D's book around uh, Prasad Buddhi, uh, I think that is the key, which is accepting the outcome as it comes, because you have very little control over the outcome, but you can only make the effort, which is the essence of Karma Yoga. What, what I understand is, Gandhiji did so many enormous actions, you know, fighting for independence, uplifting our women, so many things, you know, Harijan, he fought for Harijan, he wrote so many books. I mean, what I understand is he was, he seems to have been established in himself and then did it, you know, so I mean, this is what my yeah, I mean, is. It, it doesn't stop you from doing action. Karma Yoga is obviously all about action. It's about doing the right thing with the right attitude and accepting the outcome as it comes. So there's no right. harm, there's that no problem the with the action, you, there's you, no problem with no, the expectation. That is the point, My question is, do you need to expect unexpected or do you need to expect at all? I mean, if you don't expect, then, you know, what are you, what are you, what are you doing it for? I mean, I, I, I think there's a, there's a bit of a disconnect in that, in that, Mahesh, because without expectation, you know, when you do an action, you obviously always have a goal. I mean, to not have a goal, I mean, it's like a, if you go to the Olympics and you're kind of running a hundred meters race and you want to come first or you want, you want to win the race, I mean, you cannot go there and say, look, I will just go and kind of see what happens. You obviously have a goal to win. But the, the key thing is, if you don't, then how do you react to that? How do you, how do you deal with it? Right? So having that expectation is not a problem in my, at least in my sort of head. Uh, just to add no, to I that, think, uh, the same, same thing that I uh, heard too when 
Swami P's interpretation uh, also when, like normally when we read that Karmanyeva Adhikaraste, we kind of always, one uh, translation seems to be like, oh, you should do actions without expectation. But he sees every single action that we all humans do, it's kind of built in. You always do an action only with an expectation. The important distinction, the, the correct meaning from, from the other books that explain this, that makes sense to me, is that you can have expectation, but just that you do not have the right to the to the to the exact okay. result. And if it doesn't happen, then you accept it as it is. Yeah, I also agree with this. I mean, everybody has to have a goal in mind. What am I working towards? You know, so that goal creates the path, and you know, I mean, you would channelize your efforts towards that goal. But essentially, you don't have to be caught up with that goal. If you get it, it's well and good. But if you don't get it, that is also acceptable and you have to learn from it why you didn't get it. But I think what here they mean is you don't be caught up with the goal and accept the failure. If it failure happens and if you win, that's good. I mean, if you reach the goal, you that's, that's fair enough again. But you have to have a goal in mind, but not get too caught up with the goal. That's what I guess uh, all this means is. No, but the moment you have a goal, you are caught up. I mean, you are caught you up. You have, you have to work towards. You have to. You have to work towards a goal, but you don't have to essentially be absolutely caught up with the result of that. If you achieve no, it, it's well and good. If you don't achieve it. That's also fine, I guess. You have to learn from there why you didn't achieve it instead of going into a different state of mind of suffering and so why I keep acting about it, why I didn't get it, you know, I mean, I should have got it and bring in all other negative thoughts and emotions to it as to why you didn't get it. I guess that's what they mean here. If you don't get it, I think that that should be a learning experience. Mahesh, I think even, that it, even if you get it, that should not bring in complacence in you or you know bring in overconfidence in you that the next goal you will do that also you will uh, get because you got the first goal. So that also you have to keep in mind. The first goal that you got doesn't mean necessarily guarantee that you will get the second goal. So that overconfidence also should not come in. All the same time. What I'm saying, what they mean is you have to have a balanced state of mind when you work towards your goal. Of course, you have to have the goal in mind and you have to keep working towards it. Um, Mahesh, uh, uh, thank you, Sonali. Ma uh, Mahesh, uh, goal can be different from desire, isn't it? The, and goal can be different from expectation. So th there is uh, some end, end goal towards which you're walking, but then... Um, a, the attitude with which you do it is the difference and that can happen when that you're not driven by the strong desire while you're performing the work there is still a goal um, without that that uh, you know what motivates us to do the work in the first place isn't it but but what is it that uh, while doing the work are you engrossed in in um uh, what do you say, in that expectation of, of a specific result, of that successful outcome? Are you engrossed in that is the question, right? Because if that is the case, then you, we cannot do the work efficiently either. No, yes, let's think of a case study. Suppose, I mean, uh, I mean uh, suppose, I mean, we are doing some work, say official work we are doing. 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, what will be our state of mind while we are working? Let's take a live example. Okay. Right now we are talking, you know, right now we are talking about our state of mind. As of this moment, are we focused on our talking or are we focused on something, uh, karma yoga? Something yeah. which without expectation are we talking? No, if, if we, um, well, we are not probably thinking about karma yoga itself, but let's say we are, we are talking with the intention of, um, of sharing what you know so that it can help others, perhaps, right? And not necessarily to, um, to derive something outcome from this, which could be that, hey, I want, you know, let's say I'm, I'm talking at a, at a conference or something, and, uh, you know, there are, there are hundreds of people listening. If the attitude is, okay, these hundreds of people have, are here spending their valuable time to listen to me, I hope I can give them something and, uh, that is useful to them and they can take away something that's useful to them. If that is the attitude, and I'm, I'm here to share that, versus an attitude of, hey, at the end of this, I want everybody to appreciate what I just did and I'm going to get the, these kind of kudos and these kind of other things. That's the difference, right? Because then while you're talking, it's, it's going to affect how you're going to say or what you're going to say. In, in, on, in the first case, you're there to share what you know so that it can help others, maybe help others. And in the second case, you're expecting something back. And so there's always this tension while you're doing it, right? Whether, uh, whether I'm going to get this or not. And there is this pressure of performing, performing it to a certain level and so on. Not that the other one will not be there. Other will be a little more smooth in terms of how, how uh, seamless it might be because you're doing it for not out of personal desire either and not even out of desire for helping others alone. You're just doing it because, hey, you've been given that knowledge uh, for whatever reason and you're there to share it, right? And, and extend it and accept what happens after as well. Very well said, Kishore. So go till there. And then after that, I think that's all what you described. I, I take it as Ishwara Panabuti. And then yep. that's another Buti as well. You know, so you put right. everything out there. And then don't, uh, yeah, maybe there are so many compliments, so many reviews, so many positive feedback that you get. Don't get carried away. Similarly, maybe didn't really hit the mark. Maybe, you know, not, not get too upset about it. So the, the attitude towards the result is what I would just add there, Kishan. Right. Right. And, and in this case, uh, you know, in this particular 39, uh, when we say there's a loss of effort, there is no loss of effort and uh, you're just performing the action. Uh, you're just sharing what you know. And that's it, basically. You know, that work itself is the um, is your benefit in a, in a way. It so, put it simply, so put it simply, we are internally stabilizing towards ourselves, externally working. Um, could you explain that, uh, Mahesh? Sorry. Like, for example, like we said, you don't expect anything from what we are talking. So that means, uh, what, what are we doing here? I mean, there should be some something inside ourselves which we are not expecting. So, I mean, when we ourselves are established, our, contented with ourselves, then only we don't expect something. Yeah. So that is what yeah. I mean. You know, we are yeah, we're working towards that. Ex yeah. Internally, yeah. we are contented. Externally, we are helping. Yeah, we are, we are working towards that. Uh, it, it will happen, no doubt, isn't it? While, uh, while doing certain things, we are going to find ourselves in a position where we 
we want we, are, we we want certain things but then at least this gives us a gentle direction hey you know what what, what uh, if you had analyzed while doing something why are we tensed why are we anxious uh, the answer would be very clear hey i i am i'm looking at a certain outcome or i really want a certain outcome and we can step back from that saying hey um, if i were to unplug that from that outcome from what i'm doing it becomes so much more easier um and yeah, uh, yeah so <clears throat> and mahesh i mean mahesh. i know this is a this is a wider sort of uh, karma yoga sort of discussion which will come i'm assuming but one other way to think about it uh, mahesh is that the effort that you put in is 100% in your control right the outcome in general is dependent on a number of other things i mean you know if you're in a in a in a ray, in a in a 100 meter dash i mean it depends on sort of you know obviously your effort but it depends on what is the wind speed how's your state of mind how the other people prepared uh, you know who's the crowd supporting there there are a million sort of you know reasons why the outcome will be what it will be it is not entirely in your control whereas the effort is in your control so therefore being this not dispassionate but being uh, being equanimous about the result uh, whatever it comes until the point of action you do whatever it takes absolutely there is n- no reason to hold yourself back until the action but once you know you've done the action then you have to just accept the result because it is not entirely in your control and you should not therefore beat yourself up and say look i didn't get what i want, what i what i what my goal was because you, you that is the whole sort of question thing a thing around prasad buddhi to say look this is the offering of the from the from the lord you know not everyone can win not everyone can 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 sort of you know get the same goal if five people have a goal only one is going to to, to win right so it's it's a question of attitude as opposed to anything else yes muku i see you raise the hand um thanks alpana so the i think the the reflection i have on this topic is uh, really the context of the action is important right so we have an identity uh, what are the identity is right and if, if the context of the action is to goes to a strengthening the wrong identity right which means a greed or fear right i am something xyz uh, then the outcome will always Uh, make us happy or sad right we're going to be tied if i'm saying okay i'm going to make money out of this i'm going to get to fame out of this name out of this whatever if there is an identity context of the action is an identity related uh, it will always re- lead to either happiness or sadness right that that the that equanimity equanimity will never happen because the context is tied there so really the way i at least understand this is the context need to be ironed out to something which is not a fear or a greed i've used the word fear or greed because that's the human uh, tendency but something out of like an inspiration right which is uh, the broader good or whatever like in the case of gandhi uh, they'd be talked about then even this a failure comes it doesn't you pull you down and even success comes you don't become egoistic about it so that's how i at least uh, my reflection is the context from where it comes the action comes is uh, drives this ability to stay away or you know otherwise you know, it's very difficult if i'm if i'm 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 going to i'm looking for name and fame and presenting somebody is criticizing it's very i will get impacted by it 
But if I'm presenting because I have a great idea, the world can benefit. That's the context of my presenting something. Then even five guys criticizing is not going to impact me. That's, that's, kind of, that's how I see it. It's a fear or greed or a bigger inspiration that drives that. That drives the karma, underlying karma. Just uh, that's been the introduction. Actually, Mahesh, uh, I had never thought about it, but I actually liked what you said. Maybe he was established in himself. He was an enlightened being. So karma yoga is very different after enlightenment because yes, there's absolutely no um, desire left. And so maybe yeah, he was enlightened and he was doing it after, after the enlightenment. So then yes, there is no question of goal or anything. It is more for the benefit of others. You know, and you act just based upon what is required out of you. So yeah, could be. Yeah, could be. And I yeah. was also thinking, you know, just, I mean, I was also wondering, suppose doing action makes you happy. You said, okay, you don't expect happiness. So we are not expecting happiness. We are not expecting sadness also. But not expecting nothing is also expectations only, no? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Oh, just, no, just even being thing. neutral is being neutral is also an expectation, you know. So I mean, just think about it. Yeah. So so just one thing. In, is, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just saying, in, in Swami D's book that we read earlier, he clarified that uh, ex having an expectation is okay, but reacting to that expectation is the problem. Like if if you react in uh, in you know, a bad way, which what or react in any way, meaning getting too happy or too sad about the result. That is the problem, not not the expectation itself. I think, you know, you pretty much cannot act if you don't have an expectation or, or a goal. So you act with expectation, but you don't, um, you know, react to the result and, and uh, be upset or the you know correct but not <laughs> reacting is also a reaction only <laughs> that's like you know there's inaction and action and action and inaction <laughs> yeah but <laughs> but yeah so, so sort of you know it makes sense to me like you know you prepare for a test and you're putting in all this effort you want to do well and then you don't do well on the test and you're all upset and you know um but the point is, well, you, if you didn't prepare, then you have, you know, more uh, of a reason to be upset at the outcome. But if you did prepare, you put in the work, you, you made the effort with the expectation, of course, that you want to do well, but then something happened, you know, maybe that the, the questions were from a different part of the book that you hadn't read or, or your mental frame of mind was not there, whatever, you know, there could be so many uh, things that, that contribute to the, uh, to the actual result, like Ajay had mentioned earlier. So, so the, there, there are things that, are, that may not be in your control and you can't be upset that, you know, you, you have to basically say, oh, okay, now uh, I think Sonali said this also, learn from your experience and try again you know, if, if that result is important to you. But I, I do feel like you cannot act if you don't have an expectation. So you, you have to have some goal that you're working towards. And, 
just don't be tied to the result. Actually, yeah, the we... last thing that you said, Manu, that is that is it, right? I mean, just don't be tied with the result. Just, but but having an expectation is perfectly legitimate. Right. So it'll be interesting to look at Shloka forty-one in context of what all we said just now. <laughs> So the 41 says you need to have a vyavasayitmika buddhi, which means single-pointedness and with an absolutely you know, uh, strong resolve. So I think we did say that if we don't have expectation, how will we work? But you can't have too many goals either. So you need to fix one goal and all the actions are driven by that is what Shlok 41 says. <laughs> so any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, how yeah Alpana, I was just going to um, add to that, that, um, you know, Gandhiji did have one goal. That, that was his goal. And he just wanted to bring everybody together. I think that was his goal to be independent. He didn't as you said, maybe he was enlightened and that's why he could have one particular goal. But others had many other goals in, in that era. So Mahesh, going to your point, yes, we can have expectation and that was his expectation. And maybe our expectation here is to have that goal of, you know, trying to only have that one goal. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Um, and it's difficult, it's, it's not easy. Uh, and that's why we have so many questions. So uh, bringing all these questions probably, hopefully will bring us to that one goal of you know, doing uh, what we are supposed to do or what we are striving for. Um, so but, but I think the, the, the 41, uh, Shloka 41, you know, is a good segue to come to all these ideas or, or th thoughts that we have and then come to a point where, you know, do a karma with nishkarma bhava, but come to a particular goal that we really want to achieve. Whether it's in the materialistic world or <clears throat> not. Go ahead. Don't we, uh, won't we need like mini goals to get to the main exactly. goal? Exactly. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so, we, we... <laughs> So then the minute you do that, then you have many goals, right? I, I don't know. How, how would you think about having the one goal? The one goal could be, oh, I want to be happy or I want to be, you know. Uh, so let's take an example of what Gandhiji did. And, you know, uh, his goal was huge, as we all know, mm -hmm. but he must have started very small, right? And that's exactly what we are doing. We are starting with chapter one, then two, um, and then going, right? Um, that's how I see it. And we are discussing, we, we are struggling. It's not an easy journey. Um, and, and Mahesh brought the correct example of Gandhiji. He struggled for so many years and we probably have to struggle too. But we have to have that goal, right? So, uh, so if I understand correctly, the, having the mini goals should align with your main goal then it's right. okay and your mini goals yeah. should not be in all random other directions yeah but to practice is the hard no, part practice is a whole different 
all different thing <laughs> let's let's have the thought of one <laughs> let's let's uh, yeah, understand the... how we should <laughs> be thinking about these things yeah so you know yet another uh, uh, interpretation in swami you know in uh, parthasarthi's book is that uh, the mind um it's a play between mind and intellect where the mind gives you is pulls pulling you in different directions in various directions in fact and um um if driven purely by the mind then you're lost yeah there is no direction you're doing this for some time something else uh, after that um you it, you find yourself rudderless no directionless and kind of lost right and this is very tiring as well in the end, at the end you you're you're uh, wondering what did i do and uh, uh, there isn't there seems to be no end to that um on the other hand uh, listening to the voice of the intellect and driven by that gives you direction but the key thing obviously is how do you how do you listen to the how do you find the voice of the intellect in the middle of all the noise of the mind right which is pulling the noise is sorry mind is pulling you based on desires right based on emotions based on past uh, uh, experiences and what have you but the intellect is at a slightly more deeper level um and typically uh, presents a more um uh, a, a thoughtful choice right but it gets lost that voice gets lost in the middle of all this other noise uh, from the mind so it can also be interpreted that way that uh, listen to your intellect while doing any work rather than being pulled in all directions by the mind okay, but yeah. finally the action has to come to the mind no doubt right because uh, you know if you really look at the koshas uh, the mind drives the sense organs which in turn drives what we do right so that order is there and that's already there however the um, it needs to be backed up by the intellect rather than purely driven off of the level of the mind right so that could be it another way of interpreting this um, particular shloka yeah many of us you know struggle to articulate you know with what is that single point of objective and what is the single objective that we have what do we want to achieve is something that we find it very difficult to articulate and you know we go here and there and uh, you know as kishor said you know finally we we completely exhaust ourselves you know mentally and physically and everything so if if all your small goals add up to the i mean if you're first able to define a larger goal and then of course you can divide that into smaller goals as long as they don't contradict to you contradict to each other then it is fine but many of us struggle with that you know i mean just to answer the question what do you want you know i mean that question answering is is not a very easy one for, for a lot of people yes krishna oh just wanted to uh, regress back to 40 for just one one more word that i found interesting the the end of the shloka is trayate mahato bayat great fear mahato bayat so uh, i understood that fear as like or or one interpretation was Uh, that that oh this is probably i'm not doing it completely whatever the perfect karma yoga is or i'm not doing it with 100% the right way so that is what i thought was the the great fear 
but wanted to ask if you had any uh, any of you had any other interpretations that you have read or you had a aha moment uh, reading that about the fear part so krishna the way i uh, understood was that uh, because people i think swami ji says this somewhere that people used to be very caught up in rituals in that time in those times and therefore they were always fearful and i in fact remember as a kid also that you know you would always worry about whether you're doing it right or not when you're sitting at a puja or something right so that whole notion of uh, the fear of not doing it correctly and therefore getting the contrary result uh, that pratyavaya uh, idea used to be so dominant and i think what krishna is saying here is that perhaps uh, he's setting the stage that you know you don't need to worry about those things okay so uh, just just forget about all that because that's not going to happen in this situation if you do abc what i'm going to say about karma yoga so so actually i also observe that that you know there is a there is a sense of trying to calm you that don't worry and have no fear thanks thanks ap yeah it's a good one hmm. going back to satya's point actually in swami spg's lecture he says he used to teach uh, uh, in a school and half of the class would be monks and half of the class were other students and he would ask this question uh, what is your goal in life he said one thing this yeah ochre robe gives is that everybody all the monks knew what their goal in life was bhagavat prapti whereas rest of the class would be oh maybe i want to become this maybe i want to do that maybe i just want to get through life maybe you know things like that so <laughs> so yeah, yeah that just reminded me when uh, when satya was saying yes what is the goal the goal itself is is uh, is a big thing to decide and once we decide then yeah i think we can work yeah. on the <clears throat> yeah yeah this this shloka i mean obviously is very much in the context of gyana uh, gyana yoga as in you know ultimate goal being being moksha and uh, that there are various other paths and obviously there's only one truth and therefore millions of uh, of falsehoods but again i think i like to kishore your sort of take more from a from a day to day perspective because every single thing that we aim for i think our intellect by and large tells us what should be the goal and that is usually a singular goal it is there are not many options intellectually uh, but our mind obviously wants to do everything else and go 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 all over the place so i i i like this example of uh, wanting to become fit right so your intellect will say you know you got to get up in the morning and go for a run or go go and do yoga or whatever but the mind will have a lot of other sort of distractions if you will through the day whether it is you know whether you want to eat something whether you want to get up on time in the first place uh, how much do you want to do of it i mean there are uh, you know a, a million reasons you will kind of go again but the but the goal is always singular so i think in in 41 varing the the vyavasayatmika buddhi which is essentially translated in english business like i mean business like is very focused you know that's you got to do this and just do it right uh, it's in, it's obviously here it's in the context of you know gyan being your ultimate goal and everything else uh, you know as we been discussing is mithya and uh, falsehood or whatever so so yeah i think i i i thought 41 was very powerful 
just wanted to you know add you know on the uh, when when alpana talked about uh, you know what is the ultimate goal she used the word uh, you know bhagavad prapti and uh, you said uh, moksha right i mean so a lot of times you know we uh, at least at least in colloquially or at least the way i have brought up you know moksha means heaven i mean that's a equivalent and heaven means you know everything is so good like you know uh, probably you don't have to do anything you know you have uh, you know you have an enjoyable life and that's exactly this these three uh, shlokas completely demolish that exactly. you know that that's not i mean that's not the uh, <laughs> heaven that we are talking about actually and you and i quite like the way he the way it kind of described around the whole karma kanda which is a lot of these are rituals which are religious rituals of course but the distinction that he makes is that these are all ultimately to achieve a material goal right and a material goal means that you are not focused on the ultimate spiritual goal which is of of uh, achieving enlightenment uh, and so even if you did all these stuff that's kind of there in the karma kanda you still going to get caught in this cycle of uh, life and death and you know you can go to a heaven or you can go to a hell but you'll come back to 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 another life and it'll go on and on until you get to a point where you transcend it and get on the path of gyana which is the only path as it seems to 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 getting enlightenment so to me it was very i i I've, i've always grappled in my own mind as to i i'm not i'm not big on rituals and i don't understand them i think largely because i don't understand what what they mean and why we do it but this particular explanation that it's still what you're doing for you know removing your sorrows or getting more joy or getting more money or getting more materialistic pleasures it is very very much in the in the in the in the transactional world and it is far from the ultimate goal that we all have ashish yeah alpna thank you uh, i i have actually a question related to uh, your example of uh, uh, two types of folks in the audience those who are swamis like uh, to be swamis and uh, the other is uh, people like us so it is related to uh, 41 uh, so that single pointed focus uh i think it is uh, very easy for the swamis because they have already decided that that that's what they want yeah. uh, how about uh, other people like us who are playing multiple roles uh, as uh, sansaric beings in their secular life uh, often the demands of the multiple roles need multiple point focus so i think in uh, chinmayanand ji's book he says that that's why having Uh, deciding one action and then focusing on that helps so i think he says that uh, you, know, you decide on one action wherever we see that you know research or all the people who uh, who really um not so much in the business side but more from innovation and any of the concepts i think they were just single mindedly focused on for, for 40 years or so they will do the research or one thing and they'll come up with uh, with the solution so that's the that's how at least uh, swami chinmayanandji has taken that but interestingly actually um uh, swami spg goes on after that to say that if you look around see 
if you see there are the lies are many but truth which leads peace is one expression of uh, anger are many but the peaceful calm state is one uh, the vices are many but uh, you know having that peaceful mind is just one so he gave various examples that if even if you take it in in general there it all leads to oneness of that peace uh, and that is what eventually we want uh, even if we are not monks so that's how he he in that session he he ended at that so yeah he was he was conscious because where he is having the discussion not everybody is monk and monk and he says yes for monks it becomes easier because it is the goal and hence having this vyavasaitmaka buddhi is easier but even for others he says just come to think of it um, the peace is one and you know he he went on for a number of others i can't recollect what others he said what other things he said yes you, yeah, you know yeah i was about to say uh, actually great question there and i was I, i was about to go in the same direction as what you just said which is um even if there are you know we have different roles we do different things if you just keep asking why are you doing that if you just keep asking why what motivates you to do that uh, and also why are you doing that that why answer just keep asking why i think you will eventually hit a point where you will you will say because i want to be either happy secure and i want to be peaceful right one of these things would be the answer and beyond which you will not be able to say why do you want to be happy why do you want to be peaceful that, that that does not make sense because you have now hit the stable state right so from from in a, uh, from a um, restless state you've reached a stable state beyond which uh, you cannot say um, why do you want to be that way because that is your natural state right so it comes down to this whether um, we uh, you know whether it's uh, something related to career something related to um you know materialistic things and what not finally it comes down to i want to be more secure i want to be happier i want to be at peace right so uh to me then practically it comes down to this then what does that happiness mean if that is the case um when when you inquire more about that uh it comes down to again peace of mind right it is is it am i which again comes down to what is called equipoise here or equanimity then if that is achieved or if that's the goal then um then that, you know that could be in fact that could be the goal right equanimity equipoise could be the goal and the way i look at it is even when you're climbing let's say mount everest or something you, you still have to get to base camp and then from base camp is the final stretch to the to the top uh, and to me this achieving this equanimity or equipoise is the base camp and from which you can launch into the final uh, uh state but everybody needs to kind of get to the base camp and acclimatize there right so to me that is the base camp which is which i think we can all relate to on a day to day basis is my mind very um uh what do you say not restless it's it's at peace moment by moment is it at peace right am i uh, am i completely comfortable with myself uh, or am i being dragged here or there pulled by uh, fear on one side or anxiety or or guilt or any other 
none of that exists and am i am i completely at peace uh, moment by moment if that's possible to me that is the the equipoise state and that to me is the aim right um, and be anything beyond that i don't know if it comes it comes thank thank you alpna and uh, kishore I, i i like it the way you keep coming back to equanimity and equipoise uh, that, that that really sounds great and i i was thinking Uh, not of me i was thinking thinking of an example a, a, a young lady with three small kids and then juggling with a career <laughs> work from home situation so i i understand alpna i think if uh, you whatever multiple myriad activities and noise which is going on in the background uh, mind is peaceful then it it, it doesn't matter it doesn't doesn't need to be a single pointed uh, focus from a physical perspective but as long as uh, you are at peace uh, from inside with all this noise going on around you i think that that's right. why and what ends you see i see two two hands raised but just wanted to add one more thing i think uh, what we need to also understand when this when these texts were written um you know career and all were not meant to be the goal they were like duties which duties. you earn to sustain your family etc so they were not in the question of the way it is now for us career becomes a goal right it's not it's not just for sustaining the family etc so so when they refer to these actions actually it was mainly for karmakand because another point i wanted to raise was we say we don't believe in rituals because we don't believe in heaven we don't believe there is a heaven which can be attained whereas at that time because people could move between heaven and earth etc so heaven was a very real thing that people understood that can be achieved and hence those elaborate yagnas and those rituals were performed to get to the status of heaven so so i think we say that we don't believe in rituals and rituals are out of the equation completely so we are not appreciating you know the next few shlokas and i think that's what uh, uh, swami chinmayananda ji wants us to highlight that vyasa took a very bold step in writing this because at that time this was very real thing people were working to get to heaven so sorry about that yeah vp uh, uh, and uh, chitrakur is first if you can whoever did it please go Uh, I don't know, but uh, Chitra, you can go first. Like, okay. um, I, I was just. Um, I think we would. I'm assuming we're still talking about the single-pointed, uh, you know, need to be single-pointed, and what is the single-pointed, um, single-pointedness. Uh, so, what I felt, what uh, Swami C is saying is, uh, single-pointedness in being desireless. in all your actions so i think that is what at least that's what i understood when he was saying being single pointed is uh, whatever your action be so you have a career or if you are a mother with three children you know you have to bathe someone someone is crying you do the action but um, without the desire for the result that's going to going to come like whatever not the desire for oh finally i'm going to have peace after i finish all this five work or 
that was my um, that was my understanding is that single pointed single pointedness of uh, not uh, looking at the result and just doing the action so maybe i'm mistaken at least that's what was my understanding so then even uh, in that case even um, asking for happiness is a is a desire right <laughs> i don't know i was getting confused so what you have explained is the eventual goal so yes real vyavasaitmika buddhi is when you have a, actually you are enlightened that is when you will have that vyavasaitmika uh, buddhi and that's a natural state then so <laughs> yes that's eventually the goal <laughs> Okay. Or I shouldn't call it a goal because. <laughs> so, so what what's being talked about single pointedness here is that right to be desireless in all your actions. Right. Eventually. No? Eventually. Eventually. Okay. So then, if you are desiring for happiness, is that is that going against this goal or against this? i think desiring happiness is what are what most people desire eventually what i think ishwar was trying to say if you say why 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 eventually it is because of happiness but i think once we realize that happiness is our natural state, state. why desire for it <laughs> yeah okay yeah okay okay exactly yeah. so um, if we if we understand that then we'll um we'll arrive at this thing which is that hey what we call as quote unquote happiness is nothing but this state of mind where the mind is in complete equilibrium state it's not restless now if you now agree on that part uh, the next state would be then how how do you achieve that do you need to get something from outside to achieve it actually the answer is no the mind is already in that state there are things that are pulling it away from that state in which case what is pulling it away is the one that we need to pay attention to now what are the things that cause restlessness or take you away from equipoise state if you pay attention to that then you start looking at things like okay there is fear that's causing uh, me to uh, be away from equipoise there is guilt because hey i am not doing something that i'm supposed to do um i'm not taking care of x or y and that is supposed to be my duty and i have not done it that causes uh, a certain level of undercurrent right that causes it to move away from the equipoise state or there is um, expectation from somebody or something um uh, or a constant desire for something right there is a uh, very strong pull e- either to go to a place or be with somebody or achieve something or grab something else so there is that craving so those are the things that pull us away from that equipoise so do we need to achieve equipoise by getting something from outside no it is to now see what are those things that are pulling us away from it and then if you then uh, uh, agree or are convinced of this then we look at how each of these things can be uh, uh, cut right in a way so that we are not getting pulled out right so hence uh, comes the other things which is karma yoga plays a part here because it takes us takes a few of those things away such as the fear of when we do things the the anxiety that follows um typically 
that takes it away. So it gives us uh, a few things to, uh, you know, a strong principle to go by so that it takes away some of those things that pull us away from the equipoise state. So that's how I see all these things kind of falling in place. Um, it comes down to this equipoise state and understanding equipoise, just to summarize, equipoise is happiness. And it's not something that we need to achieve from outside, but to see what is taking us away from it and to cut those things slowly or reduce those things that take us away from it, right? Hence, this is also the place where the value of values part comes in as well. So anything that takes us away, right? So, uh, and, and also the Yamas and Yamas, right? So all of these things kind of come together in this, in this place to me. Question. So, Kishore, you were you were saying that karma yoga cuts the fear cord. Can you tell me a little? I I don't understand yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. When you when you're performing something, if there is strong desire of a certain result, then you're going to have anxiety, right? Will I get it? Will I get it? Will I get? It? That is fear, because you don't know what is going to happen. It cuts that cord. So the mind is against in, in an equipoise state, right? Thanks. Just to add on to that, you know, uh, Swami Anubhavananda, thanks to Ashish Singh, you know, he's got a different take in all the all those things. He says, you know, look like Ashish said, mother with three kids. I mean, he says, first of all, de-identify yourself. Now, first of all, de-identify yourself you as a mother because mother is your concept, you know. So, I mean, first of all, de-identify. So then there are no kids. You know, you do your work as per, I mean, as this one, then he says, de-identify yourself. That means you are neither a woman nor a man, you know, de-identify. I mean, he says, now we have so much things in the mind. It is not learning, you know, he says, unlearn everything. You unlearn even you are a man or you have a mind also. So, uh, I mean, then what happens is slowly, slowly, when you start unlearning all the things, actually he says, fear is a thing which you have learned. You know, it was not a natural state. Jealousy is a state which you have learned. So try to unlearn all these things. You know, once you start unlearning all these things, there comes a natural state where you are in equilibrium. Meanwhile, work wherever you want. You have three kids, work with this one. But see that you are not identified with the body or mind. Then work. That is his take. I mean, I found it interesting, but I need to dwell deeper into it. Yeah, Mahesh, you triggered me just one thing on that. Uh, as, as per uh, Swamiji, uh, he, he says that whatever you're doing should be expression of your inner joy and without any expectations, whether uh, if you're talking, the audience will gain something and uh, uh, or whether you will receive any pleasure out of it. Focus should be as uh, Alpna and Kishore were saying on 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 your side, uh, so that you, you are joyful. In other words, uh, you are full of peace. Correct. That is what uh, Anubhavananda ji says. You are originally peace. You know, uh, anger is a, a. I mean, you have learned. He says. I mean, you unlearn is what he is telling you. You are originally peace. You unlearn uh, anger. You unlearn uh, that you are a man. You unlearn that you are a husband. You unlearn that you are a wife. That is what he tells. Yeah. I mean, I found it quite interesting. Eh? Yeah, Mahesh, I, I call that the top-down approach, which is also obviously one of the ways. If you're able to do it, um, if you're able to go 
you know, because that obviously settles things, right? If you're identifying with, with that core uh, Atma, then everything is the same. And, you know, all these miseries and everything would be affected, is only affecting the body and it does not affect you. If you're able to get that mental state, sure, then uh, it's a slam dunk. It's, it's that uh, uh, you hit the ball out of the park already and nothing else matters, no doubt. Uh, the other approach would be the bottom-up approach, which I think most of us end up uh, seeing because it's not always possible to come through the top-down approach. If it's possible, then that's that's uh, obviously good. So just saying that there are multiple paths. Correct. Correct, correct. There are many paths. I mean, this is one of the paths which, I mean, somehow I found it to be very appealing to me because right. I'm very lazy to learn. So for me, it's very easy to unlearn. So, <laughs> so many chapters I mean rather than one idea of unlearning is so easy you know, so, so I would prefer going this approach I think that's the beauty about our Indian philosophy no? there are so many ways to go there and you can, you can choose what works for you at a certain point in day and time right so I like what you're saying. I mean, yeah, if we can actually be at that state of unlearning and unlearn easily, then that's the that's the best thing. But I suppose not all of us are there, Mahesh. So we need other paths too. <laughs> this is what I said may appeal for someone. You know, for me also, I read so many things. Uh, I was also understanding. For me, this appeal. Maybe tomorrow somebody tells something new, stronger idea. I mean, that may also appeal, you know, but maybe the, uh, that shows my state of mind, you know. So, I mean, again, I mean, coming to that. But right now, this appealed, which I found it uh, very interesting as well. True, true. But if I may add, like, uh, you're saying you have to identify yourself, but you spend a lot of time identifying yourself first in the first place, right? that you know i'm this and this or this and i'm this and i'm not that or whatever it is you know you try to create an identification for yourself and then you are saying you have to unidentify it yours you know probably half your life you have spent to make an identification for yourself and whatever Sorry, Correct. That and is what he says. Correct. That is what he says. Correct. That is what he says. You have to identify, unidentify because identifying yourself as something itself is wrong. I mean, are you are you a wife or a mother, or are you a, a woman first? Think about it. That is what he says. Yeah, yeah. If you are wife first, then you are identifying wrong. If you are a mother first, then you are identifying wrong. You are a lady first. <laughs> You know, then you are, I mean, soul first. You know, that is what he says. I mean, you are, a, I mean, so you, even he says this body, a man or a woman, this identification. You identify yourself through your mind that you are a man, you are a woman, you are this, you are that. So he says even this body is your identification. So, I mean, when you leave this identification, your natural things comes out. That is what he tells me. I mean, this appealed to me. So I just thought I'd put it across. For whomever it feels it's good, let they can use it. Yeah, Sonali, you know, whatever you have identified has caused you so much of misery, right? I mean, so that's why you're looking for, uh, uh, you know, some solution to that. If you have 
because you identified something wrong about yourself about ourselves okay. so that is what it is like suppose i want to be an engineer okay so i uh, you know i identify myself becoming an engineer and then i identify okay i'm not an engineer okay <laughs> i mean i don't know it doesn't no, make it, no it's not like I that mean, you work towards identifying yourself to be certain thing analogy what it says is when you identify with yourself the moment you identify yourself as a husband or a wife then the problem related to husband or wife comes a husband has to earn wife has to take care wife has to cook say for example i'm not i'm not saying these are the general duties i'm just i mean it looks like discriminating but i'm just telling you know the moment you think you are a husband then suddenly you think i have to take care of my family children so these are all the problems associated okay suppose you are thinking you are engineer so yeah you have to i mean suppose you are electronics or a communication or whatever engineer you are you identify with the roles which you have to do so i mean is it true are you an engineer first or a human first think about it so engineer is a false identification according to uh, swami ji okay i mean even he says uh, being human itself is a, a false identification if you analyze it properly we are all brahmans <laughs> that is also hey, false uh, hey uh, this guns i i just want to add to what you were saying mahesh uh, the identification is at different levels right because when you are in one stage you have to be playing your role which is the the karma part of it or, or sorry the karma yoga part of it because otherwise you will not get to the role at which you are talking i think or the level at which you are talking saying i am none of this, these things right no 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 what what he is saying is see for example today we are right now talking okay right now talking as individuals okay talk talk identify best thing you do whatever you can do you do at this point of time you know with your mind applied to this particular point the moment it's finished go back to your original so he says you are nothing you are zero so how will you go back to the zero this is what i need to identify the moment uh, you identify with them, i mean again next next second we finish the call we see tv we identify ourselves with a man and with the emotions on the tv for example or we sat and sit and talk with children again we identify with ourselves as a parent this identification is continuous he says he says so the moment you start instead of identifying yourself he says start deidentifying yourself you know i mean uh, that is what he is telling he is not telling you to identify yourself he says start deidentifying yourself from every situation so slowly a state will come you will be in equilibrium got it got it thank you pp you wanted to say something yeah i mean i think uh, i was going to say something with respect to what ashish has asked but since the conversation has moved so far away from it i think uh, it's okay no no i think that's fine you can go ahead i what i was saying is that you know when you when you were giving the example of swami ji saying the sansaris have very different goals i don't think that's anything wrong because we do have so many roles and you can have goals related to those roles but at the same time to the extent you are you understand that you know you are taking a higher level approach to say that your bigger goal is let's say moksha or uh, bhagavat prapti or whatever you want to call it but at the same time in those roles you have to 
deliver on those goals that you uh, are assigned. So, like for example, right? If you are, um, if you are, if your son needs your support because they are studying for their board exams, etc. Well, as a father, you have a duty to do what is required, right? Or as a as a husband, you have duty to your wife that you know to make sure uh, whatever you promised her, you are doing that. So I don't see a conflict in the two um, between you know having goals specific to your roles and as a as a as a person who's working um, like for me I have my clients so I have my goals for my clients so there's nothing wrong in all those things is what I was thinking when Ashish was uh, asking that question but at the same time you can have it's like almost the transactional world and the uh, the, the uh, some uh, the higher plane, right? And you can have those goals. So that's what uh, I wanted to add in uh, to what you and uh, Kishore said to his question. Thanks, Phoebe. Anything from the last three shlokas? I think we did touch upon it here and there. <laughs> um, are we doing 45 or uh, we are keeping 45 for the next one? 42, 43, 44. Okay. Because I had a question on 45, so I'll keep it for next, uh, <laughs> next class. I got one why why did Swamiji combine these three shlokas? Like usually after each one, he would give an explanation. But in this particular case, he combined um, 42, 43, and 44. And then he gave just that explanation of how uh, performing rituals is taking away from the real goal. Because it's uh, related, actually interrelated ones. There were other cases where he had combined two two at a time, uh, where it is quite related, then half of it you can't explain. Uh, ah. Because the full sentence actually is in the same way, like that. So this particular, these three are quite related where they talk about the rituals. And if the goal is to get pleasure and uh, luxury, then it is impossible to have this Vyavasaita Mikabuti or Nishchaya. Oh is what it says because you have too many goals then <laughs> so you will not have it i think that's what in, fact, uh, in fact in uh, fact to your point uh, swami p in his uh, commentary says that these three shlokas is actually one very long sentence yeah <laughs> so it, it's it's it, he's you know vyasa is kind of uh, you know broken into three uh, shlokas but it is essentially the same topic and probably the same sentence correct And it's amazing how it's relevant even today, right? In the, this part, especially because the way a religion has um, right. is, is seen today. I mean, uh, and uh, rituals are done mechanically for the sake of uh, obviously materialistic gains. And it's, um, yeah, it, it seems yeah. so uh, out of place. And if you turn it back to sure, I mean, what I was thinking is that even, uh, you know, 5,000 years back, uh, the, you know, Vyasa, as, uh, as Swami C kind of points out, made a bold uh, statement. Uh, even at that time, these were probably losing their relevance or 
perhaps people were not focused on the on the gyan side and they were more focused on the ritualistic side or beginning to do that uh, more focused on achieving their material kind of goals as opposed to spiritual goals uh, in fact uh, i was kind of you know if you recall we had a discussion in this group some, several months ago about religion versus spirituality and uh, one of the commentaries i can't remember who uh, very succinctly put it to say that the whole uh, karma kanda is religion whereas the uh, gyana kanda is essentially spirituality uh, i thought that was kind of I, it certainly resonated with me i don't know about the rest of this group but you know the fact that uh, the karma kanda is very much focused on on sort of how do we get material happiness or how do we overcome you know sorrow in the material world versus uh, the gyana kanda which is all about who am i and how do i achieve that and how do i get out of this karmic cycle uh, which is which is spirituality yeah you know um, the thing is um, the you know uh, rituals as i begin to understand this it can is a means to an end but it's become the end itself and that's the problem right in the sense that um i'm i'm not ritualistic at all and and uh, however i and i used to i used to be little it however i've come to understand where uh, what is its place right and the place is basically if you look at it it um as a way to um pull us away from in a, in in guna terms the tamasic behavior right because rituals such as oh yeah somebody needs to do x y and z get up early in the morning do x and do y right is going to pull us into action from an inactive state so in, yeah. in that sense it's pulling us from tamasam uh, tamasic behavior into rajasic behavior which is hey if you do these things then you are going to get certain things right it is still very selfish materialistic as well exactly but it pulls us out of tamas right it's a, and, it's a means and, to a it's a means to a material end exactly but from there you are you have to a spiritual end yeah yeah exactly and from uh, uh, rajasic behavior um, only from rajas can you move on to sattva isn't it so mm-hmm. it it Correct. is pulling us from the uh, on the bottom but um, i wouldn't say bottom but from a, um, a tamasic behavior uh, but it just became an end in itself because that was easier to move from uh, to move to a higher state is is a hard part there is no doubt but it became the end that's where the problem is yeah and as alpana was saying you know it it was seen as a means to to achieve uh, you know heaven or heavens uh, which was uh, a bit of a narrow end as opposed to a more uh, you know ultimate goal right i just have a quick question i thought karma kanda is it different from karma yoga yes exactly. i mean is it I'm I mean, sorry? I don't think it is different. I mean, the karma kanda is more rituals, where karma yoga is. I think we'll come to it uh, as we go along. But karma yoga is all about the attitude of action. Oh, so so the way Chitra, I have understood that by reading so many books on Vedas, is that the first portion of the Vedas are all about karma kandas and rituals. So that portion is called karma kanda. and right. the vedant the end of the vedas is the one where the right. karma yoga and all bhakti yoga and everything else comes about so it's it's like part one of the whole vedas yeah. basically 
And okay, somebody did like a somebody did a quantification of it and said eighty percent is karma kanda, sixteen percent is uh, is uh, is uh, bhakti kind of part of it, and only four percent is uh, is gyan. And just karmic, just in terms of the just in terms of the volume of of okay. literature. Okay, I was assuming both mean the same, so I was very surprised when you said karma kanda is religious. <laughs> so I wanted to clarify. Yes, yeah, thanks, Alpana. So, um, I, I think uh, the way I at least uh, been reading about uh, Sanatan Hindu Dharma, it's a science. It's an inner science, right? When the rishis established these different systems, they had larger uh, vision in mind, right? So, as an example, right, there are rituals that take that give health, wealth, right? When an individual's identity is tied to that. A point in time, right? Somebody is really crazy. He was really born poor, and then he wants to become wealthy. Uh, that's that's his identity, a single pointed goal at that time. Until he achieves that, you know, the larger goal, he will achieve there and find out that he's still not his real state. He's still not happy, right? But he has to get there to have a realization that he's this is not his ultimate goal. There's something beyond that. So the Rishi is always, in, in, in Sanatana, it's a science where they give you, wherever, they don't judge what your desire is or where you want to be. And they give you a technique to get there. But the point is, once you get there, the realization will automatically kick in. And then you realize this is, whether it, ha it can happen in the same bird, but it can happen in multiple birds. It's a continuum uh, journey there, right? And that is why it's not, all of them do have a place, right? It's the identity in the individual's mindset that plays into this whole spectrum of the sciences, right? And wherever the mind is evolved into, I'm saying the mind, but the identity is evolved into, uh, they can plug into a technique and get utilized, benefit by the technique. And then again, they'll go and realize, again, this is not my end state, uh, till they, they become uh, one with the Atman or a Brahman, identify themselves with that state, the journey continues. So I think it's not, it's a tremendous science uh, that from wherever does, that does not judge you where you are. It lets you just come into a, into a drive into a lane nicely and go along with it. And at some point you will reach the end state, which is the Brahman. And there are many, many paths, many, many goals. I, I don't think there's spent any time uh, wasting or, you know, any of those techniques. They still are very relevant. Somebody wants to become wealthy now. If he does a chanting or a puja, he will it will generate wealth for him, and then he will realize the lack of fulfillment out of it. That's just what just a commentary there. I don't think there's it is a, it's a very large science, uh, letting people a science of fulfillment. That's how I see it. Yeah, no, Mukundan, I think very well said. In fact, yes, that's yes. how I have come to understand it too. Uh, that you you have all these things, your Jyotish Shastra, your uh, other kind of, you know, uh, what do you call occult science and whatnot, uh, which can give you all the boons that you're looking for. And and yes, and, and that's what we have talked about in the past about vasanas. So it's almost like trying to satisfy those vasanas. You can find, you can work through all your vasanas and, you know, get rid of all of them to, uh, to really realize that, yes, you're close to Brahman. But very well said. Yes. Thank you. You're on mute, Alpana. 
Sorry, I was just asking anyone wants to add anything, otherwise we are <laughs> finishing right on time. <laughs> I'm still not uh, very clear, but maybe you can take it up later about how Karmakanda is a religion and not spirituality. Because when I'm looking at what Mukundan is saying, it's also part of the journey, right? So then it's part of spirituality, right? So actually, um, Swami SPG gave a very good definition. We call, when we use God as a service provider, we call it as religion. And when God is, we take him as a teacher, we call it spirituality, but it's the same path. <laughs> so <laughs> the intention behind, sorry, it's the intention behind what you're doing. So the karmakant is all sakam. Sakam is you do it out of a desire. Whereas karma yoga is nishkam. You don't do it with a desire. And I think and that's the that's the whole concept of it. But as uh, Mukundan was saying, to get to that nishkam, it doesn't come easily. I think we all struggle with it. So to get to that, you can use, and it's a science. Especially, you know, in our in our customs, this uh, after death rituals, they are still considered to be very very important, and they are useful for the onward journey. And uh, I think I have come to realize that they're very, very important. And these yearly rituals that we do, uh, they are important for the departed soul. So it is a science, again. Um, so yeah, we can choose to do it or not do it, but, um, but not getting caught up in just that. Yes, there is some piece required and they were considered to be part of your duty. So nitya namittik karma, as they are called. So, so, you know, each household, the boys have to do certain things, the girls have to do certain things, et cetera, et cetera. So there was, you know, segregation of these rituals that need to be done. Then panch karma, as we call it, we need to do it every day. So, you know, and so that was to give back to the nature, to these, we call them devtas, what, like devta of agni, devta of jal. So all these are natural things that are available to us, right? So they get the energy. Where do they get from the havan and yagyas that are done? So they take part in that. They take part from that. So it's a whole science how everything is interconnected and how these rituals are useful. Um, so yes, but then that, if that becomes just the purpose, because eventually the purpose is to go beyond honest. So slowly you move from this. But you know, if you're really struggling with something, and you don't see a way out of it, it's very hard to be spiritual, right? So then you can use those karmakanda things to come out of it because there is a prayaschit for everything possible. Whether you've done it in this life or last life, you can, you know. So, so those are very useful if, if it comes. Actually, I've realized yes, English is such a poor language in terms of depth of meanings, right? Uh, yeah. I think spirituality, religion, I think they're all more 200-year <clears throat> concepts. Very difficult to fit a 20,000-year civilization into that. All right. So we'll say the closing. Uh, for next week, so we can do 45, 46 and maybe we can touch upon 47. I'm sure 47 is going to take time. So 
or maybe it'll not because we all know it <laughs> everybody's favorite <laughs> <laughs> so we keep to 3 45 46 47 next week ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ Thank you everyone. Good day. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, thanks a lot. Bye.